Hello, 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 good day, and welcome to another episode of After School History. I am, as always, your genial host, Anthony J. Ashitino. And I do apologize. I know people have been waiting for the next episode. Uh, some things out of my control have been going on um, over here in the greatest state that has ever stated in the history of states, New Jersey, of course. I know I didn't have to say that. You all would have known that right off the bat if you've listened to any of my episodes. I'm pretty sure, well, maybe not every episode, but I'm pretty sure that like every third episode or so I talk about how absolutely great New Jersey is. Anyway, uh, moving along with that, though, um, there are a lot of different things that have been going on in the past uh, couple of weeks since I have last had the opportunity to talk to you. And um, I don't want to hit up on all of them just because it would turn into a two-hour podcast, but let me talk about a couple of things, and I'm going to start with something uh, that actually happened today, and if you've been paying any attention to the news, and this doesn't really matter where you are in the world, um, because it's, I mean, it may be more so in the United States, but, uh, you know, I've, I've seen websites from around the world and, and news websites, and they've all had the same thing to say, and that is, of course... Um, the fall of Kabul. Uh, by this point, it's pretty much an accepted reality. There's still some debate as to exactly how much the Taliban have taken it. But, um, I mean, the reality is that, uh, you know, Afghanistan uh, has now passed firmly into the hands of the Taliban. The president uh, and almost all of his coterie have fled the country. Um, <laughs> it's taken... What maybe two weeks for the Taliban to uh, decide they wanted the country and they would get it, and uh, the United States, of course, I've seen the pictures, uh, people have posted them. Uh, you know the similarities between the Chinook helicopters taking, uh, you know, U.S. Uh, personnel out, off of the rooftops of the embassy in Saigon, and now out of the embassy in Kabul. Uh, very similar photographs, very witty. Uh, and there have been a lot of comparisons made to that. Um, I know I've talked to several people over the last 24 to 48 hours, and uh, there, are, there are a lot of differing opinions about this. On the one hand, um, I've talked to some people who have been like, listen, it's been 20 years. Like, How long do you want the United States to stay there? After 20 years, um, it's time. You know, we, we need to get out of there. And uh, there are other people, of course, who have no problem being like, you know, this is a complete and total failure of the United States. You know, we've lost another war. And I want to say that, that, that it, it aggravates me because <laughs> in terms of losing a war, and if you listen to, and if you haven't, please do go back and listen to my podcast about uh, Korea and Vietnam. The concept of losing a war, okay, Losing a war, you have to define, well, okay, well, what were the objectives, what, what happened? Um, now, in World War One or World War Two, for example, in both wars, uh, Germany and, and other powers uh, that were fought, fighting alongside her, at the end of the war, when World War I, Germany agreed to an armistice, they stopped fighting, uh, and then Germany agreed to a peace deal, which is the Treaty of Versailles, which basically said, you are responsible for the war, 
And because you did not win the war, you now have to do the following. You have to surrender this territory. You have to pay this much money in, in reparations. You have to do this and you have to do that. That's a clear sign you've lost the war. When other people get to tell you what to do, you haven't won, okay? Germany lost. In World War II, it was even more clear because Germany was completely overrun. Um, it, you know, that, that was the unconditional surrender. They lost the war, the American Civil War. It was a very clear victory. The Confederacy lost the war, though some may argue won the peace, but they lost the war. The Confederate military was absolutely crushed by 1865. And it wasn't so much a sense of, okay, now you have to sign a treaty of surrender. Um, they simply dissolved. There was no, never going to be a treaty of surrender because uh, the federal government never recognized the Confederate government. Um, and so, and by the way, that leads me into one thing that I promise is, is coming down the list. I've been already putting together some notes about it. Um, I realized that a little over... A little um, oh, less than a year ago, I started on the American Civil War Part 1, and I never did Part 2 um, or Part 3, and I, I'm going to continue on that. It's just a lot of things have happened since then, and, you know, other stuff has gone on, and I wanted to talk about that, and, you know, I try and keep this podcast very, very, you know, uh, uh, you know time appropriate, so when, you know, I see that there's the opportunity to have something about you know, historical event, the Civil War, whatever, I certainly go with it. But when something else happens, like, for example, the attempted coup in the United States on January 6th of this year, which has not been punished anywhere close to the level it should be, um, you know, uh, I need to talk about that first. That's a little bit more germane, I feel, to my listeners. That In any case, um, you know, so when we look at Afghanistan, okay, um, you have to ask the question, oh, the U.S. lost the war. Okay, well, why? Why did they lose the war? Because they pulled our tro- we pulled our troops out, and then the guys we were fighting won. Well, first of all, we were fighting the Taliban. Those of you who don't remember, and some of you that are listening, uh, may not have even been alive at the time. And I get that. It's, it's, you know, you're relying on reading from sources about what happened, where the start of the war was, why the war in Afghanistan happened. And uh, the war in Afghanistan happened because uh, in, in 2001, we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of it, uh, the U.S. was uh, attacked uh, by, ironically, by a bunch of Saudi uh, nationals uh, who flew planes into several of our buildings and killed almost 3,000 people in one of the greatest terrorist attacks ever perpetrated, uh, certainly the greatest against the United States. And the ringleader of this group, Al-Qaeda, was Osama bin Laden. Now, Osama bin Laden was residing in Afghanistan at the time, at the time. And the United States, you know, obviously rather ticked off about having had several of our buildings destroyed and thousands of our citizens killed, told the Taliban, you need to hand him over. We're going to put him on trial. Which is pretty hilarious. And I always get when people are like, oh, the United States, you know, they're just as bad. <laughs> we were willing to put Osama bin Laden, who, by the way, freely admitted 
that he had organized the attacks, he was still going to be given a trial. Now, admittedly, people would have been like, well, of course he's going to be guilty. Well, you know what? It doesn't help your cause. And this is some free advice. Uh, I, am, I have to say this for legal purposes. I am not a lawyer. But some free advice I think I can give that I don't see how anyone would criticize me about would be, if you have committed a crime, don't go out saying in public, hey, did you guys see this crime that just got committed? I did it. Now, you can say, oh, well, you know, according to Osama bin Laden, this was not a crime. Fair enough. But according to, you know, inter the international community and standards of human rights, it was a crime. And, and I get it. We can get into this whole tete-a-tete -tete about, well, what about U.S. bombing of this stuff? This was a crime. Well, this was a war crime. What the Israelis have done, what Hamas has done, what's been going on in here and here. And okay, we can get into all of that. But the bottom line is that Osama bin Laden said, yes, I was the one that organized this, that paid for it, and, you know, went out there. And I know Khalid Sheikh Mohammed did the actual logistics, but bin Laden was the guy behind it. And so he would have been given a trial. Now, he would have been found guilty because, you know, he kind of admitted to, the, to what we were charging him with. But the Taliban said, the Taliban, who were the power in Afghanistan at the time, uh, for most of the country, there was a, there was a group of people fighting them and called the uh, the Northern Alliance, but the Taliban <clears throat> said no, we're not turning him over. So the United States said, well, then I guess we're coming to get him. The United States went into Afghanistan and bombed the bejesus out of them, and you know cast out the Taliban from basically all their bases of power, uh, and then couldn't get. Osama bin Laden for a while. And then unfortunately, and this is something that a lot of people don't like to talk about, but of course, you, my dear listeners, you get the truth unvarnished. Okay, you get the truth. Then the United States decided we have to invade Iraq. And a lot of people were like, what are you talking about? And then there was an argument made by the then Republican government saying Iraq has been piling up weapons of mass destruction. And everyone was like, oh my goodness, how, what, Saddam Hussein, yes, you know, I mean, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't happy enough just to draw us into a war in the early 90s, you know, he's been putting together weapons of mass destruction and it was like, my God, which weapons? You know the weapons. Come on. What are you, a terrorist yourself? And you have to understand the mindset after 9-11. Everyone in the country was in a tizzy, okay? Everyone just wanted to go bomb everyone that they could. It was basically like now, you know, it's time to settle all the end of the Godfather, okay? <laughs> you know, now we're going to settle all family business here. We're just going to go out after everyone. Is it right? Is it wrong? It doesn't matter. We're just going to do it, and, and that's that. Uh, the bloodlust was fey upon it. So anyway, the, the bottom line is that then we turned around and we're like, now we're going to invade Iraq. And people were like, isn't that going to take away, you know, the focus on Afghanistan? And it was like, no, of course it's not. Spoiler alert, it totally did. And then after a couple of years, 
you know, and, and being in Iraq, and Iraq collapsed pretty quickly. The Iraqi military was was no match. I mean, they 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 weren't up for the fight anyway. You know, it wasn't fair. And Saddam was captured, and then it became a ha. Huh. And now we're going to turn Iraq into a happy functioning democracy, and then that's going to spread to the rest of the Middle East. And that's why today the entire Middle East is simply country after country of wonderful Western-style democracy with freedoms and rights and pluralistic governments from Morocco all the way to India. Yes, I know, India's not in the Middle East. I'm just making a comment here. I'm trying to above and beyond. All right, so we all know none of that crap happened, okay? Um, Iraq, very quickly, once Saddam was out of power, devolved into tribalism. And in Afghanistan, the United States was distracted, and the idea was, you know, well, you know, we'll get hit by these guys, and we'll hit them back. Um, but what happened was there was never... After a while, President Bush himself was like, listen, you know, uh, getting bin Laden is no longer the major objective. We've whacked these guys hard on the nose. Al-Qaeda has been significantly, you know, uh, damaged... Um, we're pretty much like, all right, let's, let's, we're going to basically make Afghanistan this, you know, we're going to make them this great country. And that's going to be that. Um, and as you know, things did not go terribly well in either Iraq, nor did they go well, uh, in Afghanistan. And the problem in Afghanistan, again, was that you're dealing with a highly tribal society. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that in the pejorative sense. I'm not saying that with the idea that, like, Afghanistan, oh, there are tribals here, okay? It's it's just that um, in Afghanistan, loyalty to your ethnic roots surpassed loyalty to any kind of centralized state, okay? Now, other countries and states have had this as well, and it has caused issues, for example, I mean, again, one can just take the United States, the U.S. Civil War. The idea was that many Southerners felt more loyalty to their states than they did to the federal government. Yes, they believed they were part of the United States. I'm not saying for a moment that people in Virginia in the 1840s and 50s did not feel that they were part of this United States of America. But when push came to shove, I think it was best exemplified by you know, Robert E. Lee, who was a, you know, a decent general uh, during the war. I mean, he was a colonel, uh, really. You know, he became a general in the Confederacy, but was never recognized. Uh, anyway, you know, with the, he refused to uh, take up arms against Virginia. That was his homeland, okay? Uh, and you can view this with a lot of countries where it becomes, I'm not going to take up arms against my fellow fill-in-the-blank my fellow Shias, my fellow Pashtuns, my fellow Tajiks, my fellow blah, blah, blah. Even in other European countries, uh, for years there were difficulties because you had uh, debates about things like in, in Italy, you know, it would be like, you know, oh, I'm Nabili Don. When, now today when people say, you know, what's, you know, where are you from? Where are your ancestors from? And stuff, well, they're from Italy. But, Many years ago, they wouldn't have said that. It would have been, I'm Navalidan. You know, I'm Calabresi. 
I'm Sicilian. I'm Sicilian. So, this is not uncommon. The problem is that it is very deep-seated, and this is the way that that everything has been run in some of these countries for centuries, and they never they never really developed this kind of sense of what we should all pledge allegiance to a greater a greater Afghanistan. Afghanistan, you know, yes, they did have, uh, you know, there was the kingdom before the Soviets decided to go in and do what they did best, which is screw things up. But it was still, it, you know, there wasn't, um, even Iraq, I mean, if you look at Iraq, <laughs> there was the king, okay, after World War One, they had the king. And then eventually they went to, a, you know, a basic dictatorship, which remained uh, in there until Saddam. Uh, you know, Saddam being the, the uh, you know, ultimate dictator of the country. And that's what kept the different tribes and, and the different ethnicities, um, you know, uh, under wraps. He was able to keep them under wraps because of his use of violence and terror. And also, it was a carrot and stick. People that didn't oppose him, people that, you know, basically went along with him, uh, for the most part, they got some bonuses, okay? Um, you know, the people that tried to fight against him got absolutely crushed. That was the way he ran his country. So I think in Afghanistan, the problem is that there was, there was this idea that, you know, well, we can, we can remake them. Um, and, it, and it didn't work out. It didn't work out at all. In fact, it was probably doomed from the beginning. But this idea that it's like the United States lost... I always say this much like Vietnam. I'm like, go ahead and show me any major engagement. And please, those of you listening to me, feel free to go and look it up. And you can email me. Um, you can drop a message on the Anchor app about um, what you feel, where you feel the United States lost any major engagements to the North Vietnamese Viet Cong. Okay? Either the one everyone likes to talk about, the Tet Offensive... The Tet Offensive was wildly successful for the first day or so because, um, you know, it was, again, it was like walking up to someone who really wasn't expecting, was talking with a friend and whacking them as hard as you can in the nose. And, yeah, you're going you're gonna to probably stun them for a little bit. But once they get their bearings back, they came back and pounded on you. I mean, the Tet Offensive was an absolute disaster for the North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong. Uh, now, psychologically it wasn't. And in terms of diplomacy, or forcing diplomacy, it wasn't. But with Afghanistan, I mean, the United States at no point, at no point had an issue fighting off the Taliban. Yet there were some contested, uh, you know, battles. There was some here and there. But at the end of the day, the United States had overwhelming firepower to bring uh, to bear. And the objective of invading Afghanistan. So the problem is the objective of invading was to grab Osama bin Laden. Now, as it turns out, shockingly, Osama bin Laden wasn't there. He was in he was in Pakistan. Okay? Near the border, but he was in Pakistan. And under uh, former President Obama, uh, the United States sent special forces and killed him. Um, and that was that. Now, at that point, you could have made the argument the United States, after killing him, and I would probably agree with you if you made this argument, after killing bin Laden, the United States probably should have been like, all right, listen, we're out of here. 
because our objective had been accomplished. That's part of knowing when, you know, the old uh, Kenny Rogers song, you got to know when to hold them, you got to know when to fold them, you got to know when to walk away, and you got to know when to run. Um, this wasn't been running. It was like, okay, we, we did what we came here to do, and now we're leaving. All right? Um, but again, there was this idea of we can make life better for these people, we can do this and that. Um, it almost never works. In Iraq, it hasn't worked. I mean, it led to the formation of ISIS, whom I rank as number two under uh, the Khmer Rouge as far as all-time most absolutely diabolical um, governments. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm going to say that. Um, now, this is not on a, how many people were killed. But I'm just talking about the absolute brutality of the governments that were there. Um, and, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the governments like Nazi Germany, you know, th this is on a different level. Um, but, you know, <laughs> at least like the Nazis and the Soviets like took prisoners. Um, you know, the Khmer Rouge didn't take prisoners. If they did, they executed them immediately. And uh, ISIS took prisoners so that they could put them in cages, pour petrol on them, and light them on fire or behead them in, in public. Um, so, you know, it's absolutely, absolutely horrific stuff. Um, at the same time, we're talking about in Afghanistan. Now, we've pulled our troops out because there's no longer any reason to really be there. I mean, it's been so much money being spent over the years, and so many of our, uh, you know, young men and women have come back, you know, seriously injured, damaged. And, and, and we've also, admittedly, a lot less than the Soviets did, but we've killed way too many Afghan civilians. Uh, not intentionally. Uh, you know, it's just that sometimes when you bomb places, it's like, oh, this is a terrorist convoy. Actually, it's a wedding party. You know, it sucks. It's terrible. And it should never, ever happen. And, and you know, we've done that. We've at least always come to terms with it. But it, it's it's fascinating. You know, we're pulling out now and, and the Taliban has completely overrun everything. And, um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's great. The Taliban spokesperson is talking was like, no, there will be no retribution. There will be no revenge against anyone who did anything. And I said before, I, I felt like... Uh, you know, it was that scene from Spaceballs, if you've ever watched it, where he's like, you know, Princess Vespa's daddy, is that you? Yes, it is me, Princess Vespa. I assure you, would I lie? And then he just rolls his eyes to the one side like he's looking away. And I'm like, this is ludicrous to trust these guys that they're not going to do anything. Of course they're going to exact revenge uh, on everyone and anyone that they can. It's just a matter of them waiting until the foreign nationals can get out uh, so they can do it under the cover of night and, and they can do it without BBC and CNN being there to uh, to broadcast everything uh, to all of the people. So we've got that going on. <clears throat> um, the United States did not lose any war in Afghanistan. Uh, you know, we've withdrawn at this point, for the most part, from Afghanistan uh, you at the end of the day, you can't force a people to be something they don't want to be or they're unwilling to be. And that was the case, you know, in Iraq. It's the case in Afghanistan. 
for whatever reason, the Taliban, you know, I mean, all the money that's been poured into the Afghan army over the years um, has, you know, they've, they've collapsed to, quote, Eddie Izzard, like a flan in a cupboard. And so, you know, for better or worse, they're going to be in charge. The real question now is, will the United States recognize the Taliban as the legitimate government of Afghanistan? And will recognizing them actually be a good thing or a bad thing? Now, I, I know there are some people that are ready to throw daggers at me here. But please, just, just hear me out right now for just a moment. If the United States refuses to recognize the Taliban and is cuts off, tries to cut off trade with them and, and this and that, the idea could be that the Taliban will just be like, all right, well, no problem. We're getting trade. I mean, you know, they're obviously going to be getting weapons from Russia because, you know, Russia doesn't really care what you do to your civilian population. Uh, you know, they're just like, you know, are you paying in rubles or, you know, preferably in Bitcoin or something? And we'll sell you the weapons. And China also is making a move in there because Afghanistan is extremely rich in rare earth minerals, um, you know, that, are, that China needs in order to continue producing the technological uh, items that they do, the, the technology items that they do. If the United States recognizes the Taliban and establishes diplomatic relations, there is the possibility, now, admittedly, I'm, you know, I'd be as queasy as most people, but there's the possibility that we could influence them. We could temper some of their worst excesses. And you know, again, it's just, it's, it's like not recognizing the USSR for so many years. And it's like, at some point, you have to come down to be like, look, this is obviously, you know, this is what the people, apparently, a, a lot of the people want. Many people don't want it, but this is what people want. I mean, people, you know, foreign countries didn't uh, disown the United States because, uh, you know, of Trump. They were like, you know, we don't, we don't, most countries did not like Trump, but they didn't say, well, we're going to withdraw recognition of the United States. They said, listen, we're, we have to deal with this. Apparently this is what, you know, some people in the United States want, not a majority by any means, not even a plurality, but enough people wanted him that he became president. So with Afghanistan, I think that that's, you know, that's something that really, that, that would be my thing. If President Biden, and if you're listening, President Biden, um, I am available. I've still got a couple of weeks before school begins. Um, and I could, if, if you want, I can take off tomorrow morning. I'll be down to Washington. Well, I'll leave a little later so I don't hit the rush hour traffic. But I can be down by noon. Nice lunch and we'll talk policy here. And if anyone knows uh, Biden or anyone else who's in any position of power, you know, let them know I'm available uh, for the next few weeks. I would talk and I'd say the real question is what do we do in the aftermath? Okay? What do we do in the aftermath? You know, do we recognize them? Do we not recognize them? You know, for years the United States refused to recognize Communist China. Now, Communist China has some issues. At this point, I feel the United States is, is really, unfortunately, letting them get away with a, way too much, especially as regards the Uyghur situation. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, money is the ultimate arbiter of, of uh, diplomacy. Uh, but, you know, you, you can do things. If you recognize them, you can speak out against them. You can, uh, 
try and make deals to be like, listen, you know, what if we gave you money? What if we supplied you? Would you stop doing this? And, and I've never had a problem. I've never been above what people would call a bribe. It's not to me a bribe. Uh, at all. It's simply a cost of doing business. And countries have done this for, you know, as long as there have been countries. It's been an issue of, you know, I mean, uh, the Chinese government used to pay the Mongols not to invade. Why? Because it was really, you know, it was like two and a half percent of the national budget. And it was like, what would it take for us to put together an army to fight them off? Let's just pay them. The Romans did the same thing for so many years. You know, it's like, listen, we'll just pay the, you know, the, the Huns, the Goths. And yeah, I know people will be like, oh, what happened at the end of the Roman Empire? Yes, but that that had almost nothing to do with not being able to pay them off more than it did just with inter-Roman fighting and just the complete implosion of the, the Roman you know, ruling class and, and then, you know, the other people taking advantage of it. But, you know, again, even up until the 450s and 460s, Rome was still... Uh, you know, doing that and doing it well, okay? So, you know, this is a case of what do we really want to do? What are our objectives? What do we want in the region in the long run? You know, is Pakistan going to back the Taliban? Are they going to back a Taliban-based government? Because if Pakistan is going to back them and China is going to back them and Russia is going to back them, they're there to stay, okay? And I mean, the only thing the United States could do is, you know, we could bomb them, but whose airspace are you going through? Because Pakistan might be like, listen, we're tired of this stuff. Now, I do feel that in some cases, you know, we had some ISIS fighters that were there. I think that those guys can make a deal with the Taliban and be like, turn them over. Okay? We want these guys. All right? And see if they're a little more acceptable to it than they were before. You know, it, it's terrible. And I mean, I know the number one thing everyone wants to talk about, and I, I do feel it as well, women's rights. But again, if we don't engage with them, we can't have any say over it. If we engage with them, perhaps we can get them to change some things. But, you know, it's really ironic. We're very friendly with a lot of countries that treat women much worse. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at Saudi Arabia right now. Um, You know, they they absolutely treat women uh, in many cases worse. It's just because they're rich, so... You know, it's a different story. Yemen as well. You know, Yemen, you know, you can have a, you know, a six-year-old married off, an eight-year-old married off. I forget if they've changed that. I know they were trying to change it a couple of years ago, and um, they were being fought by some of the religious figures who argued that it wasn't uh, Quranically possible to change the age of marriage, um, which is complete malarkey if you've, anyone that's ever read the Quran and, and or Hadiths know the situation. Um, you know, they're just, you know, they just, for whatever reason, again, this is, this is tribalism you know, coming in. It's not religion, but, you know, the Taliban is the representation. They're the, the, the fulmination of tribalism in the region. And you're not going to beat that, okay? Uh, but it can change. It absolutely can change. Um, it just, it's a matter of trying to have to do it. So far, they've said that they're going to allow the UN to stay there. Um, uh, UNICEF, that's a, uh, or, uh, I don't know if it's UNICEF or, or one of the other UN organizations. I forget now off the top of my head, but that's a positive thing. If the UN's there, at least they'll be able to observe what's going on. 
Um, you know, and uh, maybe they've decided, who knows, maybe they've decided that they want to uh, be, you know, have a better place at the table in the international community. And so they'll portray themselves as, you know, a, a, you know, a religious state. You know, I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're Unfortunately, we don't really have Satan anymore. We're going to have to wait and see. We're going to have to wait and see. But, uh, you know, I know that the, in the United States, there'll be a tremendous backlash from the right, from the conservatives about this, because they'll accuse everyone of, and, but this will be their thing about Biden, you know, what a disgraceful thing, what a disgraceful act. It was actually a president, former President Trump who started the move to bring uh, soldiers home. Um, because it's like, you know, they've been there for too long, what are we doing? Um, but, you know, now that it's Biden, when it's Trump, it was like, yes, yes, get our troops out of there, what are we doing, you know? Uh, now that it's Biden, it's, my God, what a cowardly withdrawal of everyone. Um, you know, and the media will definitely, if, if you follow U.S. media, you're going to see them be like, you know, well, both sides have a point here. No, they, they really don't. This is like when some of these right-wing media sources criticized Biden for taking a vacation. I mean, <laughs> Trump took more vacations than anyone uh, in the history of presidents. Uh, but that was fine. You know, he needed them. Uh, but, you know, Biden takes a vacation to something like God during a time of stress. And it's like Trump took more vacations during the COVID outbreak. But anyway, I don't, I don't want to so much get into that as I just want to make the point that it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out for Biden. And he is supposed to talk to the American people fairly soon um, about what's going on and about our objectives. And, you know, at the end of the day, his thing is we've got important things to talk about here. I've heard uh, through sources that uh, he's instructed our immigration department to prepare for uh, 100,000 Afghans coming in, uh, Afghans that have helped us that... uh, for whatever reason, I don't know, don't exactly trust the Taliban uh, to stick to their whole, listen, we don't care if you help the United States, we're not going to do anything to you. And a lot of people are like, hmm, I think I will instead flee to the United States and worry about what they're going to do from the United States. And let's see if they're being honest or not. So we've got that going for us right now, which is nice. And like I said, it's really, it's going to be interesting to see how this influences U.S. foreign policy. Because for the first time, we're really out of the two major foreign wars that we've been in in the last 20-some years, which is, of course, Iraq and, uh, and Afghanistan. And we're not, it doesn't look like we're going to get involved in anything else anytime soon. Uh, there's nothing brewing right now that w- looks like we're going to get involved. And I mean, the only thing I could think of that would completely, and this is one of these things where it's like, you know, what do you think would completely upend the apple cart? Well, based on how China is treating Hong Kong, if you've been following that, uh, Hong Kong was promised that it was like, no, 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 you'll totally, totally get to still have free press and uh, government that's this and that. And then it was like, oh, by the way, free press means that you could say anything positive about, you know, President Xi and China that you want. And if you don't, we're just going to shut you down. And if you say anything negative about China, uh, we're going to have you arrested. So people are fleeing China, uh, fleeing Hong Kong, I'm sorry, um, 
you know, at an alarming rate right now. And uh, this is really, I think, playing hard on the ears of the Taiwanese who, you know, of course, if you know anything about that region, you know, China has always insisted Taiwan is a renegade province. Uh, The Taiwanese are like, you know, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you uh, from the, uh, you know, independent country of Taiwan. So uh, I, I could if, if if China decided to start doing something with Taiwan, and I don't know what that would be. I, I don't see them invading. Um, I frankly don't know that they could. Uh, I don't know that they could uh, invade. I don't, I don't think they have the resources to launch that kind of an amphibious assault. They could bomb the, the daylights out of them. They could launch attacks on them. They could declare that they're surrounding them and putting a boycott. But then it would be up to the United States. We have a couple carrier groups that could make life very interesting for the Chinese. And I just don't see the Chinese right now wanting to... Uh, I think they're waiting for a president to say, listen, it's not as important to us, Taiwan's independence, like... We're not going to stop you. It's not going to come in in the in between us. And uh, I do think that uh, there's every possibility that uh, someone like President Trump might have done that um, because of his ties to China. But uh, you know, listen, it, it could be it could be anyone. Um, I don't know that that's going to happen anytime soon. But China's going to keep pushing. But that's the only thing I can think of. There's nowhere else that I can see the United States right now getting involved. And now, having said that, I fully expect that within the next, like, six weeks, something will happen. It'll be like, U.S. sending, you know, 20,000 troops to here, there. No, it's... I think for right now, the United States has decided that we need to, you know, work on some things internally. And, you know, it... Also, you know, re rehealing things with uh, or healing things with our allies in Europe and and elsewhere around the world. So, um, in any case, uh, we will see what happens within the next week. Um, I'm going to try and put a Civil War Two special edition out. A well, Civil War Part Two, not Second Civil War. We're not there yet, thankfully. Uh, in the near future. But for now, I hope that you are all happy, healthy, and safe. And I wish you all a wonderful rest of the week. And um, that's pretty much it. So take care of yourselves, and I will talk to all of you soon. Bye-bye.